It's a return visit on the Killcoin Conversation. The reigning champ amongst guests that we've had on the show. He is always entertaining. Love having him on. Joe Buck from ESPN. Had to sort of retrain my brain to say ESPN after all those years at Fox. I think we talked to Joe in April, went over a number of different things. And this time around, uh, not just the season that he had on Monday Night Football, but also we get into being yourself when you work for a network and Joe does podcasts and interviews. And he was saying recently, you just can't quite be yourself. It's a fascinating topic. He was also recently inducted into the St. Louis Media Hall of Fame, and it was something that really touched him. Despite all of his accolades and financial success, it was something that seemed to really hit home. We also talked about Tom Brady going to Fox next year, hopping into the booth with Kevin Burkhart taking that role by Greg Olson, and what's that going to be like? What is success going to look like for Tom Brady? How tough is that going to be to pull off? So a number of topics with Joe Buck, friend of the show, on the Killcoin Conversation, coming to you from the Pasta House Studios. You know the drill. Fresh food made daily. Every single thing they have is fresh. And you can tell the difference. You go to some restaurants and you'll say, that feels like they just warmed it up. Everything's fresh at the Pasta House. Kids eat free on Sundays. Order the meals online. You've got games all week, all weekend. Let them do the cooking for you. It starts with the fantastic salad that's sort of a St. Louis Institute. The great salad, the dressing is sold all around town. Pastahouse.com for your next meal. Also, appliance discounters, St. Louis success story, about 15-plus years now since they started. It was one location over on Watson. Now they've expanded multiple locations with the same concept. Biggest names in the appliance world sold to you at the lowest prices. Get online, theappliancediscounters.com. Search for those great GE rebates, General Electric. And when in doubt, stop by and see them in person. The price tag will tell you the whole story. They go around town and find out what the big box stores are charging and then what their price is. It's right next to it. You can see just how much money you are saving. Triad Bank, one of our great sponsors for many years now. Neighborhood-friendly bank. Been in St. Louis for close to 20 years. And because it's a St. Louis-based bank, you can get things done quickly. Businesses around St. Louis have figured this out. Work with a local bank Five-star rated bank. Jim Regna, the CEO, worked for the state for many years. They know all the rules, the regulations. That's a big deal right now in the banking world. Triad Bank for all your banking needs on Clayton Road in Frontenac or on Olive, just west of 270. Marie DeVilla Senior Living, corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. Great spot for your senior years, whether it's your parents, grandparents, aunt and uncle. Have them check it out online. Do a virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. That's M-A-R-I-D-E-V-I-L-L-A. mariedevilla.com. Great place for your senior years. It's a beautiful campus. And again, been there since 1960. All different levels. Villa Estate, where you're living on your own, but you still have access to all the amenities. Or if your loved one needs a little more attention, they have assisted living, all different levels of care at Marie de Villa. And, of course, the Missouri Athletic Club, two different locations, downtown and the West County Clubhouse. We just love it. Kids love it. Playing sports, running around. It's entertainment for the kids, place to socialize for the parents. It's just perfect. Whatever you're interested in, early morning workout, socializing with friends. You can hang out at lunch or sit at the bar, whether it's downtown or out west, play some basketball, pickleball, tennis, everything you need. 
including the great speaker series. And this time of year, we're going to have city soccer going, Cardinal baseball, blues. You can park. If you're a member, you park at the MAC downtown and take the shuttle bus. One of the great benefits of membership, we just love it at the MAC. Find out more at mac-stl.org. And now our visit with Joe Buck. He needs no introduction, Joe Buck, with us. Uh, I will start with a new addendum, though. I heard last week you went into the St. Louis Media Hall of Fame, and a friend of mine was there and said Joe was really emotional about it, touched by the award. So congrats on that, and uh, I hear it was a fun night. It was a great night, um, and I, I was touched by it. Um, I think the main reason why I was emotional, uh, well, there are two reasons. One, I was up the previous night before with my son Wyatt, who was dealing with awful asthma, and I got no sleep. And then two, uh, going into that Hall of Fame with, Somebody like Fred Bottomer, who I've known my entire life, has been at KMOX for over 40 years. Um, Carol Daniel was the MC. I sat next to Frank Viverito. I it, it was a lot of Jack Buck feelings for me, and being around a lot of people that uh, I respected, grew up around. Um, Kevin McCarthy, longtime uh, radio guy in St. Louis and voiceover guy. There were there were a lot of familiar faces that I hadn't seen in a long time. And so going into that Hall of Fame in front of all those people uh, just made it that much more special for me. Was everybody always nice to you? I mean, you were Jack's son, but I wonder, was anybody ever like, oh, this guy, he's got the silver spoon? I, how, uh, uh, not naming names, but on the whole, were people kind of like supportive even when you were young? I can, I can honestly think of two people that were not. Um, and I think it had more to do with their, well, it had everything to do with their relationship with my dad, or uh, in one case. And then in the other, I think it was more the silver spoon thing. And, and I get it. I mean, I, I completely get it. Back then, I didn't. Uh, and, and even when I was 18, 19, 21 years old, when I got hired by the Cardinals and reading the Dan Caesar articles about how it was insulting that I was hired with all the people working so hard in the minor leagues. You know, he was right in many ways. And, and you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't see the bigger picture or understand how human nature works, that, you know, there are a lot of people working hard. They don't have the last name. They don't have the head start. They don't have the entree. They don't have the pressure which I think a lot of people assumed my dad put on Anheuser-Busch, who did the hiring at that time, to hire me. And, and, and I was naive. I, I hadn't grown up at that point. So I think as time went on, I understood it better. And I, I, I hold none of that uh, as, as any you know, big thing in my life. And, and I, I, I kind of just write it off and understand that not everybody's going to dig you and you know, that's that's the way life works. Hard to believe. Two years in the books, Monday Night Football, ESPN, and some playoff games as well. Had a chance to digest it. Do you go, like, at the end of the year, do you kind of, like, not that you're going to sit down and grade yourself, but do you kind of review the season that was? No, I always grade myself. Um, and, and I'm always comparing myself to the other people who do what I do, whether it's Kevin Burkhardt who replaced me at Fox or it's Jim Nance at 
CBS or it's Al Michaels at Amazon or it's Mike Tirico at NBC. I, I think, you know, we all probably listen, watch each other. Um, it makes me better. It makes me work harder because I know how good those other guys are and how much time they put into it. Uh, and, and it makes me, you know, it makes me get back on the treadmill and get to work. And, and I like that. So, and then you come out of a season and if I'm not evaluating my game after every game, there's something wrong. And I think, yeah, I, I think we all felt really good about this past season at ESPN. Uh, the ratings were through the roof. There, there's a couple reasons why. It certainly has zero to do with Troy and me. I, I think it has to do more with simulcasting and having those games on ABC as much as on ESPN. That's going to inflate the rating. And then, you know, I, I think our schedule was better. And maybe that does have a little bit of something to do with ESPN you know, investing in Troy and me and, and the league recognizing that. And then that leads to a better schedule, and better schedule means better games, and better games or higher profile games means higher ratings, which in turn, you know, they, they get return on investment at ESPN. So I, I think that's why we were brought. I know that's why we were brought there. And, and to know that ESPN is as happy as, as it or they are, it makes everything great in my world when do you do a super bowl are we two years aren't they doing like back to back or two out of three don't they have a, a handful fox fox yeah so i i left last year they did the super bowl that year cbs this year fox again next year then nbc and then us so we oh, we okay. are three years away so by that time it will have been quite a while since we will have last done a super bowl um but that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm good with calling it every once in a while. It, it comes with a lot of pressure. It's a lot of fun, but it comes with a lot of pressure and uh, a lot of traps. And a, you know, it's it's an undertaking for everybody. And when you know that you're talking into a microphone and a hundred million people are on the other end of it, uh, it, it can get a little bit intimidating. So I, I'm good with spacing these out. Do you go to Vegas to kind of partake? Do you have any appearances or things this week? Uh, no, I do okay. not. Uh, I Troy does, and I think it makes more sense, you know, for somebody like Troy, uh, who's you know as much a broadcaster, but really an ex-player and a guy who's played in Super Bowls, and he can do the chalk talks, and he can do appearances, and he can you know, make side money or whatever it is for me. I, I mean, I could force some of that stuff, but I'd just rather watch the game on television, uh, be with family, be with friends, relax, enjoy it. It's, I, I think Las Vegas is going to be crazy uh, in every sense of the word. Great, uh, tough to navigate, uh, and, and I would rather just not be involved. Ours is in L.A. in three years, which – is so big and so spread out. It'll kind of like the when when we did the uh, the Super Bowl in New York, and and the city's so big and so spread out that you didn't even know the Super Bowl was really there. Uh, and and I think LA with with the size of it will kind of be the same thing. Yeah, I'm wondering about Vegas. We had Tyler Fulgham is a young guy. He's from St. Louis. He's on ESPN. He does the gambling show ESPN Bet. And he was on last week, and he said, it's getting a little crowded. He said, because they keep putting everything right downtown, including the Sphere. Didn't you go to the Sphere? Have you been into that? 
I did. I went. Uh, I didn't go the opening night, but I went pretty close, pretty soon thereafter, um, and and loved it. I mean, it's amazing. It's it's different than any concert experience I've ever I've ever had. Uh, it's it's cool, and there's just nothing like it. You can't. You can all. I mean, U two was playing, and they're there, and I'm a big U two fan, uh, and I've seen them live maybe three or four times. And the wall, what's going on on the wall with the visuals is so intense that you almost forget that U2's down there playing. It's like they could play anything, or they could have a cover band, or they could have a DJ. And if they did the same show on the wall of the sphere, I don't know that you would notice a huge difference. Um, It's more of a visual thing than it is really, you know, for some intense audiophile, I, I don't know that, that they would enjoy it as much as somebody that just is willing to kind of take in the whole experience. If you're, if you're only there for the band, I, th- I think you're, you're going to leave, you know, not really feeling like you got much of them. It's, it's more what your eyes take in. Well, I don't want my kids to feel ripped off, but when they bring it up, I said, well, go to the Omnimax at the Science Center. It's fine, okay? There's a- it's way better. <laughs> it's way better, yeah. The big, like a film on mammals. Right. Yeah. Look at that locomotive go across the ceiling. It's like we're oh, right there. That's Unbelievable. You know. There's a bear on my head. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I loved it. I, I don't know that I would race back there, and I can't believe you 2 is still going. Um, but... They are. I know they have big breaks in between different shows and different blocks of shows. But I think Fish or the Dead Dead and Company are going there next, which I think will be a, an even more intense visual thing that they can create. Oh my God, that'll be like a acid. Tr- it'll be a literal oh acid. My God. That would. I actually. I actually think that might be too much. I'm trying to think of the Deadheads and all these weird kaleidoscope visuals on the ceiling yeah people are gonna freaking pass out just from the visual. i agree i agree i'm I mean, concerned I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about people's well-being you should be i think you should stand outside <laughs> with a sandwich board saying that you're concerned and if anybody needs help to, uh, to call you it's a public to. service announcement i just thought of this because we're talking music you were there when the cardinals announced bush stadium's gonna host billy joel and sting what is the the sting story he knew you or you didn't something happen where you guys were backstage and he made a football comment or he knew? Yeah, I, I became friends with Chris Bodie, who played uh, trumpet in okay. his band during one of the iterations of his solo career. And then Chris kind of broke off and, and did his own stuff. But at one point, there was a, a show in Miami uh, that I went to and I was there with Chris, in essence, Chris opened for Sting, Chris's band, and then afterward we got drinks sitting in the lobby of the Ritz down in Miami, and I was seated next to Sting, and I'm a huge police fan, I'm a huge Sting fan, and normally, it doesn't matter who's sitting next to me or who I walk up to, I've usually got something that I can talk to them about, and I was just starstruck and completely lost, you know, I didn't want to be the fan guy. But I, so I had nothing in common with him. And Chris said at some point, hey, you know, Sting, that's, uh, that's my friend Joe. He broadcasts football and baseball for a living. And, and Sting, and I'm not going to try to do his accent, said, uh, I, I did the halftime one time at the Super Bowl. They gave us these great seats. Everybody was really jealous. We were right at midfield or mid-pitch, I think he said. 
And he said about halfway through, I turned to somebody uh, who was not with our band, and I said, why are they wearing crash helmets? <laughs> and I, I, at that point, if I thought that I had nothing to talk to him about, I, I was certain that I had nothing to talk to him about. Uh, and, and I just kind of sat there looking at him, probably weirdly to the point where he, he probably wanted to get away from me. See, I'm the worst because I would have gone all in on something. I would have been, hey, Synchronicity was a great album, but why did you guys put that song Mother on there? Was that just to accommodate Andy Summers? Because it's a really it bad. It had to be. Like, it's <laughs> awful. The song's terrible. It had to be like they all knew it, like that they were they were maybe like in on the joke. All right, I want to ask you about something you said recently. I think you were on uh, Barstool or one of their shows, and you were talking about podcasting. And it's funny because the headline says, Joe would do a show with Artie Lang. And I'm like, well, that's not quite what you said, but you're like, I'm open to whatever. But you had a podcast, Daddy Issues, a great show, you and your buddy Oliver Hudson, big-time guest. And you said you felt like part of it was you couldn't totally be yourself because you're still, and I can totally relate to this, some of the jokes you and I might say via text or we're not going to say right now. And and I'm curious about that because – you're so well established, but yet you still—it's ESPN or it's Fox. Is that always kind of there, where you can't quite make that joke or that comment you want? Yeah, I mean, I think that'll always be there. I don't want to act like in today's world you can get away with even less than in my dad's time, but I think there's certainly more of an element of that. And so I don't know if it ever swings back the other way. I, I got in trouble with a writer one time when I was promoting my book, and I intimated that my dad kind of got away with saying whatever crossed his mind. And, you know, some of the stuff wasn't technically politically correct. Uh, and the writer was like, well, do you think that's better? And I was like, no, I'm not saying that. It was like a writer with the Village Voice in New York. I was like, oh, my God, I just got myself in trouble with that. I, I'm, I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying it's different. And, and for whatever reason... Me being a sports announcer and a play-by-play guy, you know, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, when Oliver would talk about a lot of the stuff that he would talk about, whether it's his love of uh, weed or his sex life or whatever, I just I couldn't jump down in there with him. I, I think that gets headlines, paints me in the wrong kind of light, even if I'm joking, when stuff is taken out of context. Like that, like Joe would do a show with Artie Lang, you know, like PMT commenter threw that in there. I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah, sure. And it was a nothing thing. Um, But when stuff gets taken out of context, you know, hold on and put on a crash helmet because you don't know where the thing's going to land and how long of a ride you're going to be on. So I, I try to just try to play it as straight as I can for the most part and hope that, that I stay above the fray on that kind of stuff. So Oliver had a lot more freedom. I made the joke that when I get fired, uh, my podcast will be a hell of a lot more interesting and entertaining than it would be uh, while I'm employed at a major network. Have you ever been fired? I'm trying to think here. I should know that. I feel like I should go back to the... HBO, they, they, they got rid of me after... Because of the Artie Lang, thing, but was it just not they, renewed, or do they say this isn't working out, or are they? You know what? You know what the, the the crazy thing was during that whole experience was that the rating was actually up from what was in that spot prior to my arrival, and and I was going through all the 
Artie Lang stuff and people writing articles and, you know, Joe got embarrassed by Artie Lang. And, and the one positive that, that could have been thrown out there by HBO uh, was not thrown out there because the comment I got back from their PR department is we don't talk about ratings at HBO. And I was like, well, give me the information because I will. Uh, and But I never really got into it. It felt like I was, I don't know, it felt like I was just pleading for some kind of positive attention. And, and it's probably just better to leave it alone. But, yeah, after after four shows, the excuse I got was at the show Pacific that I think Tom Hanks and Spielberg did uh, had come in way over budget. And so they were doing some sort of cutbacks. This is what I was told, which is probably completely false. They were just trying to let me down easy, that, that they were trying to cut in different areas. I was the last guy in, so I was the first guy out. But I, at least ratings-wise, that was the only positive. I enjoyed it. enjoyed doing the show. I think each show got better. I got more comfortable. Uh, I'd be better at it now than I was back then. But... Yeah, I, I think the rating story was the positive that I took out of it, at least personally, if I couldn't talk about it publicly at the time. What shows do you like going on? Do you enjoy now more of the podcast format where you can talk for 20, 30 minutes instead of like, you know, network nighttime show, you might get a five minute window or are, are you, do you enjoy making the rounds, so to speak? I like, yeah, I like longer formatted interviews. I, I think you know, like you know, you can you can have more fun. Again, the hard thing for me, and I think people way bigger than me, is that if you want to go on and be funny, or you want to go on and be honest, or you want to be go go on and be vulnerable, or whatever, it's those moments that will be lifted by producers of these shows that you go on, and then they sell them to, in essence, like awful announcing or the New York Post, and then it, it has a link to the show, and then they get more listeners or link to the podcast, and maybe more people go on it. So it's like, what? why am I doing it if it has nothing to do really with me and I'm, I'm being used by some other show's producer, lifting something out of context and then, you know, sending it somewhere else so that they write a headline and it gets clicked. It, it's It's kind of a... It eats itself, and, and so it's like, well, what are the positives here? I go on, and I'm funny, or I try to be funny. I go on, and I try to be vulnerable or honest, and I get smashed uh, publicly for, for being open, and it benefits somebody else's show. So it's, it's a fine line to walk. Uh, I do it with friends, but I'm, I'm just kind of, for the most part, saying no more and more because I, I don't know that it's worth it right because you could say something then they blow it up and it comes back to haunt you I'm, i was just yeah. thinking of this you and i had the event at the mac with chip carey and we had great fun and then we ran it on radio but we did some editing and it's, it's different when you're in the room and thankfully there's people now who kind of get the differences so at the jack buck awards in december they they allowed me to speak again which i told them was their fault and they said go ahead have some fun and i probably pushed it a little bit but you know i always say if 20% of the room didn't like it, that means 80 liked it. And I'm, I'm okay with that. So we're sitting around with your buddy Mike Caruso, a bunch of the Chapman and these blues guys. We're all downstairs after the event. 
And this woman comes over, I would say 75 to 80 is her age, somewhere in that range. She taps me on the shoulder, which feels formal or something. And I turned and she said, I heard your speech up there. And I thought, oh, my God, it really wasn't a speech. It was kind of like a monologue. But, and, then, and, I th- and I just said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. And she said, no, it was funny, but I didn't know you were like that. And I said, well, because yeah. we can't be. Most of the time. You can't be. I mean, there's something came out the other day of uh, Alex Trebek on Jeopardy. Uh, maybe it's an eight-year-old clip, nine-year-old clip. And it made the rounds. And the, the headline was Alex Trebek with a hilarious takedown of a contestant. And it was during the time, and I did five shows of Jeopardy as the host, and I... You know, that was always kind of the iffy time when you break from doing the game and you go and you learn about the different contestants' lives. And he gets to the last contestant, and she, he says, you know, it says here you're into such and such rap, like nerdy rap. And the woman goes, well, yeah. Uh, he goes, explain that. So, well, she said, well, you know, we, we rap about, you know, it's, it's a nerd nerdy kind of a group and we rap about things that we like like gaming and having a tough time finding a partner and because we're nerdy and then there's a beat and alex says oh losers and and i thought my god how how times have changed in eight or nine years like if i said that to a contestant i feel like maybe i'm wrong but but all the comments were man that was awesome that was like a but I feel like if you did it now, even that short a time later, I, I don't know that that I wouldn't have been like crushed for that. So like, can- I, it, like maybe canceled over being that mean to somebody potentially. Well, that, it, it it just came up, and I'm right. sure he wasn't being mean. I'm right. sure he wasn't. He was just going for the funny. joke. Going for the joke, and I think sometimes when you go for the joke, you know, some people don't get it. Some people don't want to get it. Some people are ready to be offended. As you said, the majority of people will laugh and, and not think much of it after they hear it, after a little chuckle or whatever it is. But but there are enough people out there that if you say the wrong thing trying to be funny, it can be the end of your career. And, you know, even, even with the intent not being there to, to insult or to shock somebody, you're just saying a joke that comes off the top of your head. And, and people get mad. So, again, it gets back to what's the positive, and, and there aren't many when it's not your show. Joe Buck, our guest from Monday Night Football on ESPN, just wrapped up year two. And earlier this week, we had Kevin Kugler on the show, who does a ton of stuff with college basketball, college baseball, and NFL on the radio. And this year, last couple of years, I think, NFL on Fox, we are talking about just the NFL growth. And it's just amazing to me. It just dominates in a way. It was always popular. But could it get any bigger? I mean, isn't it unbelievable? It just totally dominates all the sports conversation. It does. Um, I I guess it can get bigger. I I remember Troy 10 years ago saying this growth is, I mean, it's amazing. The numbers and and, and not just the numbers, but comparing the numbers to everything else that's on television and and what is considered a a hit show and then there's the nfl 
in college football to some degree, but the NFL is in its own category. There's just nothing like it, and there's nothing close to it. So it's just the one thing that cuts through, and it feels like it keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. And I, and I, I don't know if I finished the thought on Troy, but he's like, I, 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 this has to, it has to drop off at some point. And there are dips along the way year to year, but the overall numbers and viewers and eyeballs and different nights and, and you know, meaning Amazon is in now and you've got streaming. Uh, a game on Peacock has an incredible rating. I mean, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So can it get bigger? I Until proven otherwise, I'll say yes. And it's it's just remarkable, you know, comparing the NFL to anything else that's on television. Anything. What's your advice for Tom Brady? By all accounts, he's going to do the games, and we know he's going to work hard. Is there any tips you can give a guy? Like, does he just have to do it? He's got to do it. Um, I, I think the main if, – if he were my best friend, and, and I don't know him well, I've always really enjoyed being around him and talking to him and, and getting ready for games when he's been the quarterback. He's been very open and very honest, and I, 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 that would be my advice. Be open, honest, be fun. Don't get caught up in statistics. Don't get caught up in research. You know, people want to hear what the greatest to ever do it has to say during the course of a game, e- even more than in a pregame show. I-, I think it's it's great that he wants to do it. But like you said, you there's no book that you read. There's no film study that prepares you for, okay, pass to whatever, Smith, out of bounds at the 43, it's going to be second and four. Okay, go. What do you got? And and you've got to think about. You've got to prepare. You got to prepare your mind each play to go. What am I looking at? And how am I going to in the next twenty seconds make a smart point about what we're all watching? So it's it's like my dad with Kelly Chase, and I've told this story a thousand times. But my dad was friends with Kelly, and Kelly had him up in the broadcast booth when he started with the Blues. And Kelly's like, look, Jack, here's all the research I've done. I've got stories on every guy. And my dad took his Kelly's research and threw it out of the booth. And he said, you know, you know the game. You've been watching it and playing it your whole life. Watch it and describe what you see to the listeners. The rest of this stuff doesn't matter. And, and there's, there's a lot of truth in that. All the research, all the film, that's all past. It's already happened. What are we seeing right now? And, and for a guy that's as analytic uh, and and as as smart as Brady, you know that's where that's where the magic can happen. So I, I I think that's what I would tell him to concentrate on. I thought maybe your dad was offended at Kelly's grammar and just said, "Look at this garbage. Get this now." No, no, <laughs> he loves loves Kelly, but uh, yeah, I I I think there's I think he did him a favor, and and I'm. You know, I don't know the next game if, if Kelly did the same stuff and just didn't invite my dad back to the booth and, and, and relied on that stuff, but I don't think so. I think the point was made that, you know, be you. I think when you start reading and, and doing all the research and burying yourself in numbers and anecdotes, you're losing part of you, and it's you that they hired, so be you. 
It's kind of, it's kind of a weird deal though with Greg Olson, who is largely popular or well regarded critics. I think he might have, did he win a sports Emmy one of these years recently? Or I think last like in a like in a newcomer category. Okay. Like the the best newcomer to media or something. Seems like he's, he was very deserving of. He yeah. was fantastic. And and so that makes it harder on on Tom right out of the gate. Um, because you're replacing somebody, you know, nobody had the career of Tom Brady, but you know, every everybody seems to, or most seem to really enjoy myself included Greg doing games. So you know, it, it doesn't matter. Once it once Tom starts, it's all going to be on him, on him and Kevin, their production group, to make it great. I think we're all smart enough to know that Tom, if he puts his mind to something, is probably going to be great at it. But it's a new job, and there's there's a lot that goes into it, um, and and there's there's a rhythm that you have to find with the guy you're working with, and and just for yourself alone, like what what fits, what doesn't. What is everything? What am I? What kind of points should I make? Where do I look in the camera? I mean, he's been around it, but now it's it's not somebody interviewing him. He's got to be a self starter on all that stuff, and and that's where a lot of a lot of people that I think that have gotten into broadcasting as great athletes aren't used to. They're 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 wonderful when they're being asked questions, but now nobody's asking him a question. It's it's you igniting what you want to talk about. And that's where it gets a, a little—it it gets a little tricky. Burkhart, uh, Burkhart was on the show maybe last week, or the week before. He was talking about the Super Bowl, and he said the game is fine. He said it's the build-up and all that. He said that that goes into it. How about for you during the week? It's pretty time-consuming. Like we see the game. Hey, there's Joe. There's Troy. Oh, look, they're wearing turtlenecks. They're wearing tie. Like <laughs> by the time you yeah. get to that moment, and we can pick every little thing apart. But it, people don't realize it's it's Monday, it's Tuesday, it's production meetings, it's studying, and you basically are like a kid again with homework every week, right? Where you're just you got to know every little new stat, and and and, and that's part of what Brady is embracing. Yeah. But uh, do you enjoy that part of it? I, I think it's it yes and no. Um, in in that you need to know every little every little thing. I I having done six uh, Super Bowls, you. I, the first couple, I was trying to gather every ounce of every bit of information that was out there. You've got two weeks to compile this stuff after the champ games. And I, by, the, by the fifth or sixth, maybe even the fourth, I, I kind of relegated myself to, unless it's a national story, and this was at a time when, like, the USA Today was, was still, you know, the heavy everyday paper nationally in the country and my point was unless i see it in the usa today and it's making national headlines i am okay in that in between week to just let it go because you start writing and compiling and putting note after note and story after story and eventually you're missing the forest through the trees it's now it's it's patrick mahomes uh, against a, a good San Francisco defense. It's Brock Purdy against a surging Kansas City defense. And then you flip it the other way. Got it. But you you can't overdo it. You have to fight the urge to not just dive down into the well of information because it just becomes overwhelming. And And you know that 100 million people are on the other side of it. And you feel like you have to do more. But you really don't. In some ways, you could do less and get away with it 
and just hit the bright spots because it's it's a game for the for the masses. It's not just for the hardcore football fans. So, I mean, I you know you could do a seminar on this stuff, but I when when Kevin did it last year, I, I talked to him a little bit about that. But until you do it and experience it yourself, uh, you, you don't really know until you know. Do your kids watch football? Will they be wearing? Are they running around Chiefs gear? It's kind of taken over this town. Are, are they into it? it? It's pretty. It's surprised me how much it's taken over St. Louis, but it has. My my son Blake is a Chiefs fan, so uh, he's a Chiefs fan. But he met George Kittle, so he's a little torn. Um, Wyatt couldn't care less about any of it, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Blake is a is a Chiefs fan but likes an individual on the 49ers, so we'll see. Um, he has not, as a five-year-old, accumulated a lot of money with which to bet. So uh, he will just just kind of watch, I assume, with the rest of us. And I, I guess either way he walks away happy because either Kittle's happy at the end or the Chiefs are happy, and therefore he is too. It's really sad that in this day and age, five-year-olds aren't laying laying the wood yet, making those bets. You know, I think yeah, he's a little I mean, behind. I he's, he's I don't want to say he's slow, but he's a little behind the other kids. I think if he's not gambling already, if he doesn't have an account, yeah, yeah, he's got an offshore <laughs> account that I think he's been uh, managing to to try to keep it away from my eyes. Well, Joe, so much fun having you on the show. Thanks for your time, as always. Congrats on the St. Louis Media Hall of Fame honor that went down recently. Just add it to the list, and uh, always great when you're on. Thanks, Martin. Love talking to Joe. We could get him on the show once a week, which would be great for us, although I'm not sure he really wants to do that. But always, always available with his time, and even on the TV side, when we wanted something, he'd be happy to help us out. When the Rams left, we sort of – repositioned ourselves as a Fox affiliate in St. Louis and said, we've still got NFL football, but, man, people are just so pissed at the league. What are we going to do? And we came up with a campaign. It was it was kind of my idea and said, what if we just promote the fact we have good football after all those years of showing Rams football? Now we've got the best games. You don't have to watch the Rams. And we sort of positioned it that way, and Joe came in and did the, the voice work and all the fronting of those pieces and – Anyway, the main point is he's always accessible, which is something his dad was for charities around town. Love having Joe on the show, and I'm glad he's having success now at a new network with Monday Night Football on ESPN. Appreciate Joe being on the show. Thanks to you for listening. You can find out all of the past segments. Go to scoopswithdannymack.com, Spotify, and iTunes. And I love hearing from friends who listen to a segment that was from like a year or two ago. And I'll say, who was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember when he was on. Oh, yeah, she was great. Whatever. So always go back and check out some of our previous segments. You'll notice our sponsors rarely change. We've had some great ones over the years. Appliance Discounters, Triad Bank, Marie de Villa, Senior Living. They've been with us every step of the way. So if you're in the market for a new bank, or even if you're not, but you're not real pleased with the bank you have, check out our friends at Triad Bank. Marina Villa Senior Living, yes, it's a retirement community, but it's so much more than that. If you ever drive by on Clayton Road, you'll notice just how festive it is year-round, especially at Christmas time with the giant tree outside. But it, it sounds funny. It's a retirement home, but it's really festive and lively and fun. It's It 100% is that. We love Mary Kay and Fred, the folks who own it. Find out more at maritavilla.com. Appliance discounters, whether it's a washer, a dryer, an entire kitchen, Biggest names in the appliance world at the lowest prices. Their slogan for many years now has been, our savings are yours. 
and it's 100% true. Theappliancediscounters.com. Missouri Athletic Club, great spot, whether you're a uh, young up-and-comer and and you want to meet some folks in the business world, or if you have a family and you're living downtown or you're living out west, doesn't matter. Both locations have so many different amenities, whether it's dining, where the food's great, the service is even better. It's, It's hard to find good service these days or consistent food. MAC has awesome food and beverage services. Our family just loves it. We end up going there more than anywhere else when it's time to grab a quick bite to eat. And then in the wintertime, my son, a little basketball, I said, you got to work on your shot. Get outside and practice. Dad, it's cold. It's too It's raining. I said, just run up to the MAC, get some shots in. And then he says the next day, Dad, you're getting fat. You should work out. Just run up to the MAC. <laughs> Okay, he hasn't said that yet, but he probably could. We love it at the MAC. You can find out more at mac-stl.org. And, of course, the Post House Studios, where we are coming to you from for all of the Killcoin conversations. Post House, 19 area locations. Most recent addition has been at the corner of Woodlawn and Manchester. That's over in Kirkwood. Get online, postahouse.com. Great food. I think the hardest thing is picking out what you're going to have. Last time I was there... Creve Core location, I got the cannelloni, outstanding. Had it for lunch, and I thought, boy, that's kind of a big lunch, but I thought, why, I won't eat dinner tonight. By dinner time, I was wishing I had a little pasta house salad or a little pasta con broccoli. Everything is great at the pasta house. Go by and see them, and don't forget, on Sundays, kids eat free. Thanks again for checking out the Kill Coin Conversation. We'll talk again soon.